A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. How we like to prepare for draft as well. And for anyone, for a reminder, if you want to join the Pull Hitter Patreon, you get a free trial over at Patreon. So you can head over there. You get a f- one week free trial into the $5 tier, and you'll get all my daily pods that I do for the box score notes and reviewing some of the under the radar players for the days and get the lineup tools. And every other week, you get the extra launch angle pod that is not available for the public. And come check it out. It's good. We've got a great Discord community. We're always talking about baseball and fantasy baseball. It's really good. And it's a lot of fun, and you'll develop a nice sense of family, and uh, like we all have as well. And if your fantasy team has already been toast and gone, and you got nothing to play for, you could grab your rally caps and get right back into the action on Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy baseball. Right now, until July 14th, Underdog has an MLB best ball called the seventh inning stretch, where you can draft the team for the second half of the season. It's a best ball format, so all you got to do is join the seventh inning stretch, draft your team, and that's it. There's no waivers, no trades, no in-season management. You draft 20 players and get the best cumulative scores in your starting lineup, three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, one flex. Each week of the season, um, getting started is simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com, sign up with the promo code PULLHITTER, and Underdog doubles your initial deposit up to 100 bucks. The 7th inning stretch also has $150,000 in total prizes. It's only 7 bucks to enter. It takes about... The drafts go by so quickly. You can draft from anywhere. You can upload your rankings into the app. It's very simple. Um, so what are you waiting for? Go sign up for Underdog with the promo code PULLHITTER. Get that first deposit doubled, and we could be drafting in the 7th inning stretch today. And um, that's it. So hope everyone enjoys this episode, and everyone who's Really appreciate and grateful. Thank you for leaving ratings and review for the show. Really helps me try to grow the show, um, my future in this fantasy industry world. And um, hope everyone has a wonderful Fourth of July weekend. And cheers. Welcome to Pull Hitter Podcast. I'm Rob DiPietro, the Dead Pull Hitter. I have a special guest today. His name is Brian Fitzgerald. He's an avid NFBC fantasy player, um, real good competitor, part of the Meatball Mafia, Pull Hitter Patreon, and making his podcast debut today. Brian, what's going on, man? Good, man. Thank you for having me on. Yes, podcast debut. Uh, feeling good. You know, teams are doing all right today. So, yeah, having a good day. 
you know what? It's like um, I've I I always had people bring me on their podcast when I first started out, and you know, I always um felt really special that some people were willing to get my you know my brain out there in the world. And the one thing I've noticed um even more than I knew before because I've always spoke to different people that was like that inspired like wow like this there's another level of thinking here in this fantasy world there's so many people that have so many good approaches and processes and it's one of those things I've loved about doing this part is I've learned so much from everybody I talk to and but being in the discord and like seeing everyone sharing ideas and kicking back ideas it's really cool because um it's again it just adds another layer of like wow like there's some really super competitors out here and i've always just like making like some little marks like like this would be like an interesting thing to talk about and you know you you've said a couple of things in the discord like wow this is like a really good cool process and you know maybe we'll talk about a couple of things today that you like to do um in season wise but um so yeah i think i like um i like hearing new voices out there talking about stuff i think that can really help people too right you know um yeah oh my god the disc the you know th first of all thanks it's it's great to hear and uh um the first like week i was in the discord i just remember being i think i joined just like a couple days after you set it up but like the first week just like the just overwhelmed with just like the amount of different ways people were thinking about things and especially just like the amount of information that was pouring through there. Um, like we weren't, I wasn't missing anything. You know what I mean? As far as right. news or way like it was, it was just so cool to see, you know, boom, news breaks. And then like people have three different takes on it or something immediately. And like, just never, you know, I've never had, never been part of a community like that for sure. So it's great. And like local stuff too. That's my, <laughs> everyone's got like the little yeah. local insights like oh i was at the a's game or i was at the brewers game and it's just always local stuff too we're getting but yeah no it's been it's been yeah. really fun um good stuff to be a part of um so let's get into a little bit like about your fantasy baseball yeah. life tell me how you got started into it when you got started into the fbc and then we'll talk about um the fun live events in las vegas yeah sure yeah i started in just uh playing fantasy early 2000s with my buddies uh so probably like 18 years old um we all were you know just kind of like home league stuff on yahoo and cbs we all were like working in restaurants and had nothing else better to do and like it just became like the most important thing that like any of us were doing right like i mean like it was like two like <laughs> to like like you know it, nothing was more important to any of us you know for like than how we were doing these like $50 like buy-in leagues right to the point <laughs> where like the 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 message boards are getting way too personal people are having like arguments in the the fucking basement of a restaurant about <laughs> trades and pickups and stuff and like uh but it was still fun at the end of the day and it was it was something I always really enjoyed and wanted to get better at and um uh yeah, and then I, I, I you know I, baseball's always been a really big part of my life too like I I, I never honestly like always wanted to be good at it and I never was a really a great player but um you know my it's it's something that's really in with my 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 dad and my uncle and my grandfather and it's something that we still all first thing all of us still talk about um and uh yeah I used to just I, I've always just been really drawn to just how you can track track the game just like unlike any other sport that there is um since a really young age just like 
you know, doing it through newspapers and through like my, my grandfather used to love it. He used to give me big stacks of the sporting news every time I went to go visit him. I remember oh, the sporting, the sporting. Like real, So it was like the 90s, like this is like early 90s, right? So there's no way, there's no, you know, real wide internet access to stuff yet. And it was like the only way I could like look at like every single team that had this, like they would have these breakdowns of like, um, you know, like the every team's roster and how that player was doing. And I used to like, you know, we used, he lived about two hours away. And every time I went to go visit him, he just have a stack of them. I would just, it was my favorite thing in the world to do growing up, just like pouring through those things, looking at like, like, you know, as advanced, you know, it would give like on base percentage, right? And that's like yeah, as, yeah. Unfair, <laughs> uh, as, as advanced of a stat as you could find in, from as a nine-year-old in, in 19, you know, 92. Um, so uh, well, what a great yeah, magazine, though. Know, the sporting yeah. news was it was awesome, so good man. back then. It was so good. Oh, it's, it was yeah, it was classic. I, I, yeah, I was fortunate. My, my um, family had the, had this, had Sports Illustrated and the Sporting News, and like they both had their pros and you know, like about them. But the Sporting News was always so diverse and just so full of more of like you said the stats you know rather than yeah the uh the article types and oh man that was such a good such a good publication i still have a couple of them actually because it's like um you know we, we had so many and we we fucked up a lot of them by cutting them and making collages <laughs> on walls like but i still yeah. have like i still have all the full like all because i'm a, such a big like jordan kobe fan i have like a ton of like most of their their covers you know like their magazines but in the sport of news too i kept a couple of them like lebron james when he was you know like uh in high school and like uh griffey jr and a rod week when he you know when um he came up with jeter and there's like a whole bunch of them that i just kept and had and uh i opened them up sometimes and I just thumbed through them and i'm like man i miss like holding a magazine that's why today when i was at the beach the one cool thing i i i uh became a sub to baseball america this year and they still do publications you know and they still do magazines so i get one like once a month and it's such a great read i bring it there and i'm like you know everyone else is on their phone and i'm like the only one i noticed today was the only one with a, a magazine it was people with books you know some people with kindles but like I was the only one with a magazine, you know, and I felt like, <laughs> like, look at this. I'm the, I'm the contrarian beachgoer. <laughs> uh, there's so, yeah, there's something to, to like, I order the, uh, uh, the, um, the HQ, uh, annual paper Forecaster. every year. Yeah. Just, yeah. The forecasts are just to read in the paper every year. And I get like the updated process to just like paper version every year, just for that reason. I love, I love flipping through that. And I think maybe it is back to just like, those days of just being a kid and thumbing through the magazines and just like it being my favorite thing in the world. You get a little bit, a taste of that, you know, uh, doing it with, uh, with other publications you can now. Um, but yeah, great magazine. I was just like, that, that was my thing that really kind of brought me into, to just like really diving into stats as a kid. And and they used to, um, remember they even used to have like, there was a couple like fantasy type things advertised in there. There was like, it was like called like sports buff or something, but they would have like these little, like, it was like, you know, they had like salaries. It was like an advertisement for something that was similar to fantasy. And they would have like, you know, the player salaries listed and, yep. um, uh, you know, it was, you know, it was by mail or something. I'm really young, but I still remember going through that. Like I'd probably like first exposure to it, just like looking at it and it would give like the salary cap and you could like kind of, you know, 
it just as a kid trying to come up with like, oh, shit, wow, shit, I can just like, what kind of you know <laughs> team can I come up with here? And it's like being really young. Um, but yeah, so that and then, you know, like, you know, it's always been a, the idea of just like pouring through stats, like constructing like my own teams and stuff. That's always been like something I've always had a lot of interest in. And then when fantasy, you know, did some fantasy football in like high school, I think, and then fantasy baseball eventually back in. Uh, probably like right after high school, um, doing the home leagues for a while and then um, trying to get more into it and eventually, you know, listening to uh, a lot of po- whatever podcasts I could back then. And I think I heard about NFBC on on Spores podcast, which uh, uh, probably was Towers of Power back in the day. And um, I mentioned NFBC and I, uh, I just remember like, oh, wow, they can, uh, you know, play for you know, you're like wow like like good money i'm like well, huh, this is interesting and just logging on and looking at it and immediately just being like oh this is this is where i want to be like this is where i want to <laughs> like this is where i want to like this is where like i want to i want to see how good i am at this um so my first my first and i i don't i don't but my first nfbc league ever was a was a super um, so I went to, <laughs> I went from playing in like smaller <laughs> home leagues to, to my first one being a, su- a super that was live in, at city field in 2011. What? Um, so this is what back, yeah, yeah, it was live. Yeah. Back in, I still got the, the car actually over in, in my room. I still have the, uh, they were still printing out the same, like, yeah. you know, pa- paper, uh, name tags and everything. I still got it over there. So that was my first. I don't necessarily recommend that as uh, probably like an entry point <laughs> for everyone. But, uh, uh, I, I was, you know, I, I took I, I took out a loan to to participate in it too. I, I couldn't. Have, I was in my my mid twenties, right? I couldn't. Have, I had no business playing in this league, but I was convinced that I could, <laughs> could do it. I was totally no man. I, I was this dead. Amazing. Well, I looked. I remember looking through like all the different leagues because it, it the, the 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 website really hasn't changed a whole lot like you know you could still go into the the main site back then this is again like 2011 and, and look at like the different league you know like okay there's like main event and this this and that and, and you know best ball uh, remember looking through all the different league types and like everybody you know was talk even back then you know you hear about the main event and stuff and i just remember looking at it and being like well if i could i still have you know probably half the size it was now so it's like oh you got to beat three or 400 teams to win, you know, X amount of money, or I can wait, but I can get $20,000 if I beat 14 teams. And I thought like, I was like, well, this is, and I get my double my money back. If I beat, if I come in third and I was just like, well, this is a, this is a shoe in. Like, there's no way I'm going to like, you know, like I'm just like really young and just super cocky and just like, I'm going to, there's no way I'm going to like lose this thing or at least not get my money back. Um, so yeah, so I took out a small took out a small loan to play in in my first super, which is City Field, and as on my birthday too, it was on my my it's on my twenty twenty fifth or twenty sixth birthday, um, and uh, I'm living in New York, so I, uh, upstate New York to, at the time, and and make the trip down to City Field, and just again like convinced that this can't go wrong, and uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was quite I mean it was it was really cool like I mean, the Mets were at spring training City Field had only, only been open for a couple of years so it was pretty really really I mean it still is a nice place but it was just really new and they the NFBC had like a whole box rented out like and I think I'm like the second level um, and kind of I mean it wasn't as big as you know like Vegas this year or anything but like it was just like to that point it's just like the coolest moment in my life you know like this is just like this is so yeah. cool like 
I give you a name tag. I got like a little security badge to get into the stadium to go go to fucking you know MLB Park to draft the baseball team. Like this is crazy. Um, like you know, it was really it was it was a great. Experience. And I uh, I did obviously like I did uh, I came in fifth that year. I remember I came in fifth in that league, so it wasn't like completely got my ass kicked, but uh, definitely didn't do as well as I thought I was going to do. Um, <laughs> but you learned a lot. Had this, you had yeah. to have the stand, like, like a lot of the standard New York crew, like the uh, Steve Japinka, maybe probably. Yeah. I'm, I'm Japinka guessing he was, was in, in the, there. Yeah. Japinka was in there. Um, Glenn Schroeder. I remember maybe. who, who was it? Glenn, Glenn Schroeder. He's a no, big, he, he, oh, no. I, I was, you know, I, I was looking back through uh, who was in it on the history page and Japinka was, Japinka was in it. Um, and uh, finally, the one guy who was in it, who I, I remember this very clearly because he rolled into the draft with like just, and this is the first time I'd seen this. And I'm thinking this is a $2,500 draft. Like for people that know, yeah, the Super is like, it's a $2,500 standalone uh, league, 15 team league. Um, so just third pays 5,000, second pays 7,500 and first is, is 20,000. And um, so you know, no overall component. Um, and uh I'm thinking like everybody's going to have just like super high tech setups. And this is just going to be a bunch of like, you know, data scientist type guys, just like, right. <laughs> and I get, I get, and like and one guy rolls up and this guy's got just like, he just rolls up with literally like four sheets of loose leaf paper. And like, he's just like, 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 like that's it. And I just, I remember looking over at him and, and just being like, this guy, like, what, what is this guy doing? You know, like, like, it's, <laughs> what is this guy thinking? like this guy's like, it's rolling up to something like this, which is, all these guys just like these handwritten piece of paper and and it was it was don johnson who who won the league and is like fifth overall like all-time nfbc like you know won like five hundred thousand dollars right <laughs> like this yeah. guy kicked her ass in the, they're kicking your ass in this league and i'm just like you know but you learn a lot about like and that's kind of the first time i think i really learned to of like this isn't what i love i think most about this is that one of the things i do I, i'm a big data guy and i love using data and and and, and making different types of tools I can use, but um, that this isn't a sport, like this isn't, there's so much nuance to this and experience plays so much of a role. And it's so important that like, it's not just, it's not like, this is not like by any means just completely overtake it, taken by a bunch of people with like supercomputers or super formulas, right? Like you have guys like, like the best players in the league every, that repeatedly like, are guys who've just been playing a really long time and have a process down and have, you know, like they obviously know their stuff, they know their numbers, but it's not just like, it's not just dominated by, by, by technology, right? There's just like a lot of as evidence, you know, like, like you get people, people, and you can see it at the Vegas events, right? Like people just not, I, I love going to those events and just seeing different people's processes and just seeing how different it is from mine. And a lot of it is just like, some people have been playing for 20 years and just have really good, they just have this, they have their own process and they have it down to a T and um, it's efficient and it works for them. And uh, there's a, a lot to be said for that. You know, that's uh, really just consistency, having a process and being consistent is with it and refining it is, is really the key to, to success in the NFC, yeah. I think. Yeah, no, I think I think you said it right. Just like the live events are so much fun, and it's such a trip to see what everyone's doing. Uh, just the first time I went to the live event, I was great. Like I, like I immediately noticed like 
the people that I've heard on podcasts or seen before. It's like, you know, I walked into the auction room and like, so now my first experience at a live event is not even drafting for me. It's just drafting for Phil. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was nervous. Yeah. You were the proxy, but, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was a proxy for him. Um, this was like post COVID days. There was some travel restrictions, like restrictions and stuff in place for like, you know, Canada or whatever. I don't know. It was just like where it was just better for him not to come and he couldn't come. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. Sure. And um, I just remember being like, all right, this, this, this try to like settle in and experiencing it. But I was so, nervous for like i didn't want to fuck it up for him you know so i was just so zoned into what i had to do um but then like every now and then you get a piece of like jason dupont like just being jason dupont and it's just like who is this guy you know and i start watching yeah. him and i'm like oh this is amazing he's like this like one of the special characters and humans in the nfbc and he's just a joy to like be next to and just watch him in the draft bro and he's has this role for the draft that it, when he's not in it, it's like I had so much fun just watching draft too that other people are in. It's just like part of the weekend for me that I really enjoy just really just like looking around, um, soaking it all in. I was just like kind of taking mental notes on, like you said, processes, um, the way people go about their bidding processes in an auction league, just trying to soak it up as much as I can with, um, you know, with really wide eyes and it's so much to learn and so much to, uh, like you said, some people just been playing for 20, 30 years and they just have this process. Like, and it could be two or three sheets of paper. Right. And yeah, you know, That's 10 first basements, like 20 second basements, whatever. It's just something that they, that they stick to and they're, they're fine with. And um, I love seeing that. And they're my first, the first year in, in New York, I was like, Oh, this is, this is really cool. And uh, you know, it was, um, Fortunate to have, you know, Maddie Modica like introduced me to everyone. He was my um That's good. Yeah. He was my uh you know, he was my just like in, he was my guy. It's just like hey, here's Robbie, it's his Rob D is the pole hitter, and it was it was good. It was really like, you know, grateful that I got to meet people, at least, you know, with a one on one type of thing and um it was really cool. And yeah, Vegas is great. Um I can't wait to go back again because now that I got the like that first time out of the way, now I can. Um, now I know just like what to do more of, what to do less of. Um, mm-hmm. But we gotta really try to get them to do it. Like I'm really gonna maybe push for like an outside draft, you know, like right by the pool, like somewhere like where we could just. Oh you know, wow! You know, <laughs> yeah. because like oh, I man. just like because because some of those days I went outside where I was yeah. just like ah. Oh, we should draft that here, you know, because it's like yeah. it's those rooms get you a little bit hypnotized with like the, you know, like the, oh, um, God, yeah, those, uh, it's first of all, it's all the, all the work, all the, you know, um, trim mm-hmm. and all the designs and especially the floor stuff, like the carpets that just make you dizzy, um, like those designs. And it's just like when you're in there, and of course, when you're in the casino. And it's stuck in the life out of you. It's just, uh, yeah. <laughs> just like, got to step outside. And yeah. then every time I did, I'm like, I just want to draft out here. This would be fun, you know? No, I don't so. think we we didn't. Me, it was like my girlfriend went with me there. And, like, I don't think we – well, she did. But I don't think I should say just me. Yeah, I don't think I let – I got there on Thursday night or early Friday, I forget, and didn't – probably went outside once, right, before I left on Monday. Um, yes yeah, uh you know it, 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 yeah it could get a trap i mean i remember beat like the i don't think i'll do this again i did uh, talk about like 
getting hypnotized. I remember doing my 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 arc, my Vegas arc, my auction there the day like immediately after my main. So I did like the main the 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 Saturday main and then an auction right after. And I that I remember by the 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 last just like two or three reserve rounds of the auction. I mean, I just I wanted it to be. I was just struggling so hard to just not want it to be over and like pay attention to what I'm doing and make a good yeah. pick. Cause I was just spent and then the night ended and I didn't have like, I didn't want to look at my team. I didn't want to see, I, I don't want to like do like, you know, normally after a draft, like I spend the next four hours just staring at, you know, my team and <laughs> what's happening, like coming up <laughs> with reasons why this is like the best team ever drafted. Right. It's sort of like the natural thing to do. It just like, you know, or whatever, just, but I remember, like, after the end of that Saturday, just I have had enough baseball for the day. <laughs> like, I don't want to look at it. I don't want to think about it. I don't like it. It was just, you know, 13 hours of whatever of just drafting, and I was just, just done. Uh, done. It's a lot. I don't know if I'll do, yeah, it's a lot. Um, really a but, lot, man. Uh, um, so, so uh, yeah. let's talk about what you got going on this year and like what you generally yeah. like to play with, what kind of league. So, um, I know you're doing the main event right this year um and you're also in the auction championships correct right? yeah i'm in um i mean i have two main event teams uh one one the uh, the big big arc big art like live auction championship one they did, did in vegas one of the um 1500 ones and then uh doing a super too so one of the standalones uh nice. the uh so like the four big ones um that I spend most of my energy on. I mean, I did, I did, I have four, did four DCs too. And, um, uh, couple, couple of the, the online auction championships, just really honestly, just to more, more in a, in a, a satellite in a qualifier to made him a qualifier, but really the part of that was just to do something to just kind of get like my, my draft process down. Cause I was kind of like tweaking how I wanted to, to execute like my drafts and my auctions and stuff and what like my my actual like uh you know day of like tool and process would be so i, I kind of just did some of those just to really get like a feel for it and to make sure i wasn't showing up to vegas just like without um <laughs> having having practice a little bit um but yeah those four the, the 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 mains the auction and um uh the super get like the, the majority of my my attention and uh and, and energy yeah yeah, and I think I, I think you made a good point before. If I got to um, definitely go forward with it, but like it really is better to play in those leagues that, like you said, when you realize like there's a twenty five hundred dollar league when the first place is twenty thousand. When, like you said, you just got to beat fourteen, and it's not like oh, like I said, just beat fourteen. It, not that easy obviously but yeah. it's better than trying to beat the field of the main event but that's a big that's the big allure i kind of have a feeling like i'm gonna i've been doing two main events and i kind of have a feeling like next year i'm just gonna go down to one um mm -hmm. and, and just do more of the auction leagues or um super or i don't know i at least i say that now but then i get sucked into uh Tucked into the main event land but yeah. i see i see that your one main is uh 32nd overall here I think so uh, right, right next now. to you, I think as of today, right? Yeah, I, I I bumped up ten spots today. I don't even know what's happening. Um, You're all ten. We start. I think we actually started the day right next to each other. Yeah. 
but I got, <laughs> I got uh, six, Sanger, I got six home runs in 36 at bats right now. Uh, for, Jesus. Other day, Kim Tavares, Grisham, uh, Torquid too, and Otani. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah it, it's pretty. It's it's pretty interesting. But this this team, though, I mean, mine. I I have. Oh God, I have um, I have forty nine save points. <laughs> I I don't even know how that's happening. Is that bad? Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, forty nine and a half. Like no. I um, was bad. I I think I got. Yeah, that's my that's my weakness everywhere as well this year. Saves? It's kind of by design. Yeah, it's by design. Um. Yeah, I saw but, that yeah, in your the, sheet that you sent over. Like you actually had that allocated for a different percentile. And yeah. 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 That's interesting. Um, yeah. let's hit on that real quick. So you sent me yeah, I, obviously like yeah. this cool little team tracker, and I know like it's a sure. pretty popular thing to do. Um, I know like you were telling me that you got this from hearing like Posma talk about it, right? And like everyone yeah. Yeah. like Posma said everyone in motion to get so much better. And but this is what I love about doing the pod and also talking to like everyone, like even stuff about all the things you do, right? Because everyone said the same thing. Like, yo, when I heard oh, your really? pod, I heard Pazma <laughs> talk about this. And it's like everyone did it, right? It's so crazy what he said in motion. And that's it's awesome. Like, he was sharing it. And that's what's great about us, right? We're all competitive, but we're sharing, like, how we get there. So great. I remember, too, that it was the one where he was on with with, with Doug. Doug with Gruber, Gruber, It wasn't yeah. even Pazma talking about it. It was, it was Doug's reaction to talking about I remember this very specifically about how it was like the best thing he's ever seen and the most useful <laughs> tool he's ever used. And you could just tell in his voice, like he wasn't, he wasn't bullshitting. And this is a guy who's like a great player, right. Talking about mm-hmm. like, Oh no, this thing that he's made, it's the best thing you'll ever see. And I just like, remember hearing that and a light bulb just kind of going off. Like this is something I'm not doing. And obviously I'm not going to get to the level where it, or John's is refined, but yeah, like I really need to have something in place. Like I, I, I would, would keep track of like team, like, you know, how my teams are doing throughout the season oh, uh, yeah, like, to some degree, but I, I really tried to, to get a, to improve on that this year for sure. But just, yeah, having, having something that's really a lot more detailed than what I was doing and having that be um, something that's kind of the first thing I do every week. Um, it's great. <clears throat> I know. See, that's what, yeah. that's what I got to start learning to do after Fab. I kind of like slacked off on 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 tracking my teams a little bit, and and um, yeah. in like I don't know, like weeks seven, eight, and like just been like doing so much content too that it kind of fell a little bit behind. I mean, I've been keeping my eye on where I am through like my category points, but. Um, I, I mean, I see everyone else's sheets. And I'm like, I gotta step up my game next year because this is so nice. I'm like, look, I, I love looking at this stuff because, like yeah. I said, everyone's got such such great you know, ways to track the teams, and this is cool. But so yeah, I I noticed yeah. that you have your um, percentile goal, and it's like, oh, I'm like, he actually allocated a small percentile for save. So tell me about that. Like, what? Yeah, it's gonna change. Day? Yeah, it's changed a little bit throughout the season, but it definitely didn't it didn't start at 80. I don't go kind of wasn't going into the season going trying to hit 80 across the board necessarily. I mean, um, or 80th being the 80th percentile. I kind of looked, one thing I looked at um, last year. So the goal for these like main teams is not like, I mean, obviously you want to win the overall, but like my, my goal is, all right, I just want to try to get, uh, get them to the top 25. And then like, if they can get into the top 25, I feel like, you know, anything can kind of happen and, you know, just 
you know, personal goal for the year. Let's get, try to get at least one of these teams, hopefully both in the top 25. Um, so I remember I, I looked at last year, the breakdown of like the percentiles for like the average percentiles for the top 25 teams. Um, Cause it's obviously not, you know, everybody talks about getting to the 80th percentile and then, you know, closer to the 90th, if you want to win. And I kind of figured, well, it's definitely not evenly distributed. You know, it's not like across the board. So I kind of was looking at, um, in the off season, just like what every top 25 team averages as far as percentiles. So, and, you know, what I looked at with saves is the, the lowest one I'm looking now, I'm just pulling it back up and looking now. So like the average, and if, as long as I got this right, it looks like the average percentile in saves for a top 25 team was, uh, 73rd was 70 was uh, 73%. Okay. Um, yeah. And you look at like, in like, you know, I'm looking like last year, Ben Tid finished third with like a 52, like with 52nd percentile, right? And you got like Japinka finished in fifth with 67th percentile. And there's obviously like Weimer and, and Kremutola did really well with high percentile and saves. But what this sort of just told me was like, if I'm going to be weak and like be weak anywhere and still be able to finish in the top 25, it's it's probably saves, right? Like, so if, if that, if I got to sort of, Use my fab resources somewhere if that's going to be the it looks like if, you know, if i'm going to uh have a chance at, at at competing with you know the best of the best the one place i can probably be a little bit weaker in than the the other categories is saves and still have a chance and it kind of makes sense and it's typically honestly how i typically build my teams anyway like i don't really like to put a lot of resources into saves um but that was just one thing that kind of popped out at me. Um, and then you notice like, you know, like teams are, you know, the av- like you have to be, you know, there's very rarely are teams uh, finishing in the top 25 that aren't like 90th percentile in runs and RBIs and, uh, you know, at bats and, you know, pretty high up there in, in ERA and whip too, right? Those are usually like uh, hitting closer to the, closer to the 90th percentile just to get into the top 25. So I knew like as far as draft resources go and early, you know, early investments with draft picks. Like I'm not, uh, if I have to, again, like kind of shade anything, it's just going to be, it's going to be saves and I'll, I'll figure it out. And it seems, you know, I can, uh, I think I set most of my, my goal, like, like if, yeah, just like trying to, you know, come out with like, you know, 70th percentile. And it's been, it's been, been a struggle because if you kind of know if you've sort of been counting on getting saves on the, the wire this year, it's not, uh, not quite there all the not time. Quite not quite there. Yeah. <laughs> Not, no. not, not really there. Oh, not, uh, so it's been a little, it hasn't gone quite as, you know, that strategy hasn't worked out quite as well. But again, um, I, I don't know if I do anything differently, but uh, yeah, I, I, it sort of as my, as the season goes along and as even after the draft, I remember after I draft all these teams and kind of like a couple days later before the season started, just kind of looking at, woof. Uh, projections like what the strengths and weaknesses were and just even just kind of tweaking my percentile goals a little bit just based on what kind of team I had and what the strengths and weaknesses were. Um, but uh, Nice. Yeah. Nice. So um, any 12s team leagues? No, no 12s. No. I, I, I didn't do – I haven't done 12s since I think 2021 was the last time I did a did – a, um, yeah, online yeah. championship. I see though, um, like, like you yeah. won the last yeah. two that you did. You did a 750 that you won. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So, so what happened? Yeah, did you just yeah, like, did yeah. you just like want to do the 15s instead? Like, yeah, something you didn't like yeah, about I, the 12s? I, um, I think the 12s for me, the, a, a few reasons, honestly, I, I, I kind of just want to get really good at one format and I don't like to really <laughs> have to try to think about the, the differences in value a lot. I, I, I struggle with just having enough time and resources now to, to do what I want to do. And, the twelves just kind of made it more more complicated, and and it, to be honest, I I really just want to focus on doing well in um, auction championships and the the other, you know, uh, higher stake kind of like standalones that I, I want to participate in, and um, it's just sort of like a a time a time thing really, and it, it also I don't really I, I feel like my decision making, and I think you've talked about this before, but I don't. My decision making is, I don't like to have to decide who to drop in 12s. It gets really difficult. And I like, you know, <laughs> I, I, for me, the decision making is a lot easier in the, or I, I'm more comfortable with it and I do do better the deeper it goes, just for me personally. Like, if I'm, uh, I don't want to have to think about, you know, is like, you know, am I dropping, I don't know, like Matt Veerling in a 12? Because I, I like Matt Veerling. I think he's really good. Like, you know, but he probably <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah, not worth yeah. holding in a 12. He's a good yeah, Exactly. I, I like him. He's a good baseball player. And I, I want to start him and not have to think about dropping guys like that. Um, That's it's it's like just you the, just picked yeah. the perfect player to talk about that yeah. with. Like, honestly, yeah. because like um, in, in one of my OCs, you know, this week he was, he was on the wire and I'm like, oh, what a, what a great stream. But in the 15, yeah. I'm like, yeah. bro. I got my outfield the rest of the season, you know, (laughs) such a different feeling, you know? Oh yeah. Oh man. Totally. And you know what? That's like, you know, I, I kind of think that, um, your ability to churn is like, just like a personality thing too. It's, you know, it has to do like, also has to do with the understanding that, yeah, you can just cycle in guys, but like, uh, it's like your ability to get unattached to players. <laughs> it's just like I think mm-hmm. that's such a personality trait you need to have inside of you that you just like you like you're not you know, like you embrace change easily. Um, you don't get attached, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like boom, you just go through it. It's maybe cut a throat, yeah. struggle. Yeah, cutthroat. Gotta... Yeah, cutthroat. Cutthroat and, call. Yeah. Uh, I I definitely adopted more of that too. I think that's something that um Honestly, and I, I, I got, there was sort of a point where, you know, I wasn't doing super great in the NFBC up until probably like around 20, 2020, I took the year off and I, I read the process for the first time. And then like instantly that, that year 2021 got, you know, markedly <laughs> better, like or just better results uh, just from implementing everything in there. And one thing is definitely, but absolutely just flipped was just like, dropping guys you know i mean just mm-hmm. cutting the the, the 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 importance of short-term value and just not holding on to guys who aren't producing and and not getting attached it's like just just like you said like and uh once you do it a few times though and realize like you know all right like i i cut that guy and he actually that was a good move and it, i my team is better like you know once you do it a few times i think it gets a little bit easier but yeah you don't have to make those i, I don't really like having to make those decisions in 12 team leagues so that's kind of just yeah kind of phase those out um i think i'll probably just be doing 15s for the for the foreseeable future too yeah and when you tell me about your like um uh your preference 
if you do have a preference between like the snakes or the or the auctions, if you like obviously enjoy one more, or do you feel like you know you have like a better lean in one in one or the other? Uh, so I think actually this year is the first time I hopped back into auctions in a long time, and probably like over over. 10 years to be honest. So oh, and okay. I, I absolutely loved it. No, I loved it though too. And it was, nice. I can't wait to do more. And um, cause we used to do a lot of auctions in my home leagues and um, FBC. It was like, and I didn't just, I just wanted to get good at the snakes and, and kind of just like, you know, doing what I was doing and, and didn't want to get out of my comfort zone or do the extra work. And the, I thought it was a lot more work, honestly, than it ended up being, but getting back into it this year, um, man, it's, it's a, it's so much fun and it's uh you know it's not a like i don't think it's a you it's not a coincidence i think that like some of the best players at least to me at least seem to have sustained success like over auctions versus you know like a snake like you have a lot more control i think mm -hmm. over executing your draft plan you know like you know uh, sean johnson winning like five out of six diamonds like diamond auctions i don't think I could be wrong, but I don't think that has really happened or that sort of run happening in like a, a snake league is, is probably not happening or, it may, or it's a lot harder to do. Right. Or it's yeah. a lot rarer because like you're just not having the same, you're the, the level of control you have over what you're doing is, is a lot less than a snake um, or, you know, again, executing your plan coming in. Yeah, I had so many, I, I mean, you've had the experience too, where like, I think in a snake more, it can happen in an auction too, but like in a snake draft, just like what you were going to do in your plan coming in and just like getting punched in the face and blown to bits by like round three. Right. Because like something, because just like somebody fell or somebody got taken, like, right. And you're just like, Oh shit. Like my, what I was going to do, I thought I was going to do is like now completely different and you have to adjust. And that could definitely like happen in auctions too, to some degree, but I don't think it happens as much. Um, so it's definitely something I want to, I, I definitely want to do pro a couple, a couple of good auctions next year. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, I've really missed doing, I, I forgot how much I missed doing the format too. I, I thought very nervous going into, cause again, I hadn't done an auction forever. It's definitely a, li a live one in, in any format and forever. And first one, you know, Vegas with like, you know, like Mike Mager and, and Jay-Z and <laughs> Jefferson and my league and like all these guys are there and like that's shit. And, um but it was just a great time and i can't can't wait to do it again yeah so much fun man i really yeah. i really loved it and um i totally agree with you like my home league uh my keeper league is is auction but it, it's just different because there's so many values already out there everyone keeps 10 and there's 12 teams so it's, it's just really like um a game of like uh of keeping as much value as you can and and, and drafting more of the value but when you have the clean slate, it's um. I just like look back, like I now I'm like, how did I not just get Acuna every single auction? <laughs> like, why would that not my goal? Like in hindsight, it's yeah, been great, it, but like, uh, just like should have just done that. Like, why spread the rest, uh, the wealth? No, just yeah, we thought there was, we th we thought there was like, you know, the one one pick wasn't like anything special this year, right? Or like, oh, like you was. know, people yep. just like <laughs> you're right. Yeah, it turns out there's a cheat code up there. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. like, and but that was like out. reflected, like for like yeah. what the what the average auction values were. Like two years ago, yeah. it was you know J Ram Turner and 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 Tatis mm -hmm. were like in the 
in fifty dollar range, and there was no batteries this year there. And mm-hmm. even the pitchers like were like forty five, forty six in coal and burns, and this year they were just like thirty seven, thirty eight, and it was just different. Yeah. And like, um, but it seemed to be what everyone was agreeing on. And then it's next year is going to be right back yeah. on to that fifty dollar battery be an adjustment. Yeah, uh-huh. it's definitely going to be adjustment next year. I wonder if there'll be like adjustments too for just like. I don't know, like see when what Carol or, or, or Shohei go for next year too. If there's like, oh, well, now we do have to pay a lot for good hitters. So that goes like way back up again and every all, all the top hitters are a little bit more expensive or maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of like you, I'm always thinking about like next year already. Like I kind of use that like in my, like I, I'm always, I'm always like kind of like, it, it's sometimes going to be a good part of the process. Like kind of just thinking like, well, like, you know, what round is this guy going to go in next? It, it, it come to helping helpful in Fab, I think too. Like I was just thinking about that this year, like this past weekend with some pickups. Just like, well, what what round is this guy going to go in? Kind of letting that determine, kind of how I think about the guy. I don't know, mm-hmm. but maybe no. it's too early to start thinking about that stuff before the All Star break. <laughs> no, I think about it like in in certain ways, you know, and um, it just I think it helped too because I'm trying to get better, um, at you know like all the time really and just trying to learn more and more and absorb as much information but trying to get better with um recognizing like what i could trust uh like week to week and month to month and you know in terms of obviously statistic while to stabilize but i'm just like making notes to myself of what i find myself getting right and what i find myself getting wrong and what i think would help will be maybe at the end of the year i can have some kind of vlog or like um like a player reference would be like um this is how i felt about this guy in may or june and and in drafting season next year i can look back and be like just remember how i felt about a person or why i actually feel good about a player right now you know so Mm -hmm. just all those things just like again that's also to like part of like uh just taking notes taking it like um having a diary having an nfbc diary (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> your NFBC diary. Yeah, I, I I've been doing that like uh, trying to take more notes this year too. And I, one thing I, I have just been reminding myself to do more, and I didn't do the first few months of the season, which was doing just that, just going back and just just taking five seconds to read what my write up was on somebody like before the before you know before the season. Like, what did I think of? Like, reminding myself exactly what I thought about this guy on you know in late March and like if I feel wildly different about somebody in, in the middle of April, like, is that just an overreaction? Am I just like, yes, is all in my head? Do I I really should go back and just remind myself like, no, like you, you like this guy. You liked him enough to like, not much is not that much has changed. He's healthy. Like don't, don't, you know, maybe don't Mm -hmm. just drop him just yet. Yeah. Like just stuff like that. Uh, Very important. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I like that. So let's talk about some in-season stuff. Um, what what kind of uh, fabber are you? What's your style or strategy in fab? You got like you uh, like to throw down the big bids every now and then, or you just uh, you pick your spots with that. What do you do? Um, I I'd like to maybe just have one bigger two one one or two big buys a year. I think like and it's it's changed. Like I I I do I've tried to do less kind of mid-range bids and more uh dollar bids with just and then throwing out like like a a few a few you know hundred dollar plus guys a, a year or so but i mean it's it, honestly like the honest answer is it, it, it's gonna vary yeah. but um 
I do find myself like I just going back, like, you know, talking about learning from the past. It's like going back last year and just seeing how many times I spent 40, 50, 60 on somebody that went for 10. Right. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's where it's just yeah. like, like it really kills and gets and it gets adds up. So um uh and it's been it's, like uh oh no, go it, ahead. No, no, I'm saying it's just not it's that's the hard thing to do. Like we have convictions about a player. We also like it is fantasy baseball and it's like a lot of yeah. fun too. And we, yeah. we want to have a player sometimes, like so yeah. we kind of don't care I, about like and and I think that fat like fab like fab efficiency is getting more popular and it and it mm-hmm. is good. Like it obviously you don't want to spend more money if you don't have to, right? Um mm-hmm. like saving money in real life, but you, you know, you there comes a point where it's like you just don't want to lose out on a guy, so you spend up, but on those on those cheaper guys, like to learn how to go you know, three, seven, instead of, like you said, 13 and 21, that shit fucking adds well, up. And at well, the end of the year, you're yeah. like, oh man, I had these four guys right here. It's just 55 bucks. It could have just, ugh, you know, and it's well, I think like, that one of the things I went back and read over, cause I like just how, so I've been doing some of my fab this year, just driving me crazy. And I, I went back and I read what the, uh, was it? I think it was, uh, Ed, Ed DeCary in the in the forecaster wrote not this like this year but last year like I think yeah he had a yeah fab thing yep. he had a fab thing and he wrote <laughs> just the one sentence just blows me away and it's like it, it's like if you if you just take every bid you're ever gonna make and cut it in half like every single bid that you're ever gonna do and just cut it in half you'll still get seventy percent of the players that you want <laughs> and like it's just just like I just remember just reading that like a month ago and just going God. God damn it. Like, it's so right. Like, it's so right. And it's just such a hard, like, it's just so hard to do. Like, it's just so, like, something yeah. like that is just so, so hard to actually do in practice. And I think you just have to get uh, to that me- part meant for me, just get that part mentally where, like, it's just like, just, just, just bite the, don't, don't spend that extra money just to kind of, I think, because it comes down to, I think, getting, getting your guy like the idea of getting your guy right like we all have guys right we want to get our guys and in the draft and in fab and i think um you just have to be okay i think sometimes with not getting your guy i mean sometimes it's like very clear like if you need it's fab and you really need a closer and a guy's like very clearly a close like there's very clearly a great closing option that's become available you need saves yeah like go get that guy but when there's just like somebody i don't know like like some of the the other prospect types or just things that aren't quite as crystal clear and you just kind of really like the player um just being okay with like if i miss out on him it's okay because like a lot of, or whatever the hot fat pickup of the week is because what i think like it's like most most pickups like what like only less than 30 percent of the pickups actually ever work out right uh yeah or, or, or you know um so just kind of remembering that and just like yeah being okay week to week with like no i, I if i miss out it's fine. Just move on. Um, I, I see. Um, I see you got into the Jose Okidi business this weekend. Yeah. Pretty, nice. Yeah, was, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That was my, I like thing. that. That's uh, a solid stash. Like, I, I drafted yeah, him. Yeah. I drafted him on so many teams this year. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I, that was my, I think the probably most widely picked up guy for me this weekend in in the bigger leagues. I, uh, um, I just, it, 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 I mean, the reports look good. I think he's thrown a little, you know, not really blown away the, the radar gun in his, his last bullpen, but it seemed like, I mean, he's not somebody who does that really anyway. Right. Um, and, 
yeah, it's just sort of thing. Like he looks, everything looks good. And uh, if you're going to get a, I, I'm not, I don't really stash a lot of players, but when I, if I do stash, it's typically pitchers that are like a couple weeks away from coming back. And it's usually like these mid range guys. Like I stashed my ADA in a few places, like maybe three, three, four weeks ago. Um, and Arkady's like in kind of the, the same boat. And it's just also just like a, I mean, what, like just two years ago, he was, just fine or even last i mean really ugly you know first few weeks of the season but i mean he's a guy who could run up put post put two months up of you know sub three five era sub one two whip i don't think that would surprise really anybody with a good you know, i mean the wins edge too there it, it's like kind of just looking at you know where how important wins are at the end of the year and i think we've all been there where you just like if i just had three more wins or two more wins you know i would have you know placed or you know gained you know however how many points it's just so much of like this comes down to just like a handful of wins at the end of the season and you know astros starting pitcher for you know two months like i'll speculate on that <laughs> for a couple hopefully a couple extra wins but you know we'll see that pans out but that was someone I kind of definitely liked the cheap $1 stash in a lot of places this weekend. I like that. That's a solid move. Um, So one thing that you were um, telling me about um, and is like that you've been tracking the difference between the high stakes leagues fab and the main event league fab and like the percentage uh, difference yeah. in the players, and I thought that was really cool. It was like saying, like you know, it's like it, it, an extension off Jeff Zimmerman's article, but like just more yeah. of like uh, you know, just seeing who's available too. And like I think I, I I've spoken to uh, Mark Winnegar, Mike Mager about this, and um, several others. Just like what what is available in even our auction leagues, and it's so much different. Like um, not like extremely different, but you know, there's a pattern. And more, like, why don't you? tell everyone like what you observe that pattern to be kind of like this year oh yeah yeah definitely the, the main pattern that i i see is just uh people in the higher the, the high stakes leagues have just like no patience for struggling hitters and they're not going to stash uh a lot of injured hitters and they're replacing them with short-term value streamers like i mean it's just like every single week like i i kind of just look at the um and again there's a lot of caveats at this right there's only nine high stakes leagues and a bunch of you know, almost 800 main events. So the, the and uh, it can kind of get thrown off too with the high stakes. Cause like one owner can be in like several high stakes leagues and just pick up the same guy over and over again. And it's true, but I, either, yes, but, but either, or it does like when you just kind of look at it overall, it does give a little bit of light onto how people are thinking when they're um, when they're in the high stakes leagues. And I just find it pretty fascinating and it tracks with what Jeff and Tanner have written about too, that like the most successful players in the main events um, are churning over hitting and getting more short-term value um, than, than, than the rest of the league. Um, And you just see that like this, I'm just looking like this week, you know, like uh, Josh Donaldson, not owned in any high stakes leagues owned in 57% of main events, you know, like that sticks out, right? Like (laughs) like, they're just, they've had, you know, they're like, we're no patience for this. Get out of here. Right. You know, uh, <laughs> Owen Miller's already been, Owen Miller's only, you know, 17% of high stakes leagues only 57% of main events. People are just seeing that he's cooling off and they're not having patience or to see, you know, they're just no patience there. We're going to move on. Right. That's just, uh, and you just sort of see that pattern. And then conversely, you know, like, like, uh, 
you know, so like Kevin Newman is owned in two thirds, like 67% or two thirds of the high stakes leagues. He's only owned in 2% of main events right now. It's a huge difference. And just cause you know, good schedule this week, somebody's you know, convinced he's going to get playing time, which he did end up getting right. Like playing for Votto at least earlier in the week. And uh, you know, Eduardo Escobar owned in all high stakes leagues, only less than half of main events. Uh, and you just see that as a pattern, like every single week, like just every week, like the, in these the high stakes league, high stakes leagues, all the the sharp owners are just like a week or two ahead of people. On like they're even you know picking up people who are have good streaming weeks next week. You know like two weeks ahead, right. like a and stashing that. Um, so I've even started to try to do that myself uh, a little bit, which is hard though, very <laughs> difficult to consistently pull off. But like they're always just churning over, like not letting you know, not letting like your like I'm going to max out my middle infield spot, you know, like I'm, that is not going to go, I'm not going to settle for, you know, two games, you know, somebody with a three game schedule, who's a lefty, who's sitting, you know, one of those games, like that's not good enough. I'm going to find somebody who has three games there, you know, for that or a more, a higher chance at three games in a, in a good hitting park against shitty pitching. You know, you just see a lot more of like every single slot slot in the roster, especially, you know, on offense, just getting maximized on short term value on a weekly basis. Um, and I think that's not just like something that's going to uh, that just w- wins those, these high stakes standalones more than it would a main event. I think it's probably something that's being underutilized in main events. Right. We all think, you know, a lot of times that it's just like the big splashy pickup or stashing like really talented hitters that are going to come back is like what's going to make the most difference but um if you can just grow and i've you know just kind of seen it happen this year and seen it ha- happen i you know really like playing with like players that are a lot better than me because i learned so much from them uh right. like and just seeing that and just seeing them just consistently just do it every single week just like um uh you know it, it works it definitely works yeah yeah, that's that's uh, it's really key to um, pay attention to the league because, like you said, you could really just look around and and just not like it's not a copying thing, but it's just to understand like the best yeah. ways to get the best out of your team every week. And yeah. like, oh, like yeah, those like those light bulb moments. And for me, it, it was the first year I played in the main. You know, it was like it was Bob Silver and Phil and uh, Gecko, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, just looking back on it, it's like can. I picked a, a worst league to join, but I just like I kind of realized they all joined after I did. I was like, this kid got no fucking leagues in his history. He's a fucking <laughs> rook. He's a rook. I, yeah, I remember like, and I, I I learned so much. I played at a main with Phil last year. I learned like just you know as much as like just just watching like, how he worked. I remember being so like, and I hear about you know people just like like leaving rooms when they see like Phil or other like big names, like join up. Right. And I just don't, to me, I just don't get that. Like, I just want to like, I just want to play. Like it's just ingrained in me since I was a a kid, like whatever I want to do, I want to like, I want to play against the best. This is just whatever I'm doing. I want to be measured up. Like, can I, can I play if, uh, can I play the best? And I remember in that, like last year, uh, you know, like it, when when the when the league got sort of like sorted out, you know, from the from the, the group of sixty, and the, the the leagues got announced for whatever day it was, and I was like, saw that I was in a main with Phil, and I just like, I got so excited, I got like so fucking like excited, I was like, oh shit, yes, like you know, like yeah, I get to like play against the guy who like just 
kicked everyone's ass like like <laughs> the year before. Um, yep. He yeah. had like he he had like uh, a you know at the top of his draft did not go well in that in that main last year, and he still ended up like I mean he still ended up uh, coming in second by a half a point. You know what I mean? Four of his first five picks were just like almost zeros and he still just ended up grinding it out. I, I finished third and he finished second and he, he almost won the league by a half a point at the end of the year. I just remember just seeing how he did it. And again, it was with these short-term pickups. It was with just like just looking ahead, just like being just like a week ahead of everybody and maximizing short-term value, like at every little turn. And it just also showed me that it can happen. Cause like in my, in my, uh, you know, it's like, oh, shit, like you can have a bad draft and still like really no matter what happens. Like, I mean, obviously Phil's really good, but like you can you can make it work. And I think even like my my auction championship team that's doing doing pretty well. Uh, you know, I had you know, like Woodruff and Cruz or no Cruz or two. I spent like, you know, 50 bucks on them. And by week two, you know, that's just shot to shit or whatever. Oh, and uh but I just remember thinking to myself, like, no, like, this doesn't mean your season's, like, over or, like, anything. Like, don't think of it like that. Like, you just saw somebody play to a guy last year who lost twice as much as that, and he finished second by half a point in his league. So, like, you can do that, too. You know? Like, think Such about it. Like, yeah. yeah. You know? No, I no, I love that. I love that. I can always tell people just, like, ride it out, man. Like, that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's going to be the best thing you could do in um, – even if you don't end up doing well, it just, you always learn something along the way, you know, and you always, mm-hmm. um, and, and to me, like the biggest thing is like, you know, I, and, and this is what I love about the NFC and it's not to say that, you know, anyone who plays in Yahoo uh, or TBS, you know, is it's like anything less. It's just, it's just that the experience of seeing your historical data live is a big thing, you know, to me, like, it's just like how I played in sports, right? Like I just didn't want anyone to think I was bad, you know, so like, you want to do good because it's there, that's your history, that's your record. And it's a driving force. And I think a lot of people treat it the same way. And mm-hmm. that's like, totally. um, yeah, you know, that's such a big thing. Um, I love that part of it, but, um, so we're talking about like some of the like dollar guys, some of the like um, higher dollar guys. Like, how do you differentiate, you know, your rest of season to your streamers? Like, what are you looking at to determine this is the guy I want to pay up for? Is it like obviously it might be team needs too, but the player itself? Like, how do you get there with them? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a skills versus role thing, you know, kind of the old adage. And um, I mean, if it's if I can break it down and all that really is you know for a streamer remaining there it's just like this guy has a role this guy as far as like what i'm gonna bid on a guy like you know there's it, it, the most of the reason why i'm interested in this person is because of the the pitching matchup or the park matchup or you know and, and really don't like his skills too much um but he has a role i mean that's kind of just like the st- a streamer i'd be looking for right um but if there's once it gets to the point where I, I, I'm looking and I, I do like the skills behind it, then that's like, OK, this is somebody who's like going to I'm going to con- consider this person to have more of a rest of season impact um, and using projections and stuff, too. But maybe like kind of like Andy Abanez this past weekend may be a good example where I looking at it uh, initially and he just looks like a just sticks out like immediately as just like a good streamer. Um, but then you start to dig into it a little bit more and you're just like, oh, well, he's just 
barreling the shit out of the ball and uh he's gotten fairly unlucky too right like in as far as far as just like uh some of the metrics and it's just like well you know well there's a little bit like i'm not going to treat him just like a okay i've looked at he's got a very good the next week two weeks look great just for matchup race base he has to roll um and now that i've dug into the skills i actually like the skills too so now i'm going to elevate him up to being somebody that i'll pay up a little bit more for in terms of you know not he's not a streamer anymore he's he's gonna he's gonna get a little bit more uh, percentage of my fab just because I think that there's a chance that he might be able to be a little bit more than that. Right. Um, mm, I like that. Even though it probably, even though probably he, he is just going to be a streamer, but there's that chance there because I like the skills that he'll be a little bit more. Um, and uh, I mean, he didn't get him anywhere this week, I should say, because he, mm. everybody was probably thinking, everybody's thinking the same thing. And I'm down to like, you know, less than, less than 200 in, in most of my leagues. Uh, I'm just trying to, to, you know, he it's going for a little bit more than I was willing to pay, but I think it's a good example for just how I think of it. Um, and if it's somebody with rest of season value, maybe I'm not even really considering, I, I really don't like to make ads at this point that don't have some short-term value, especially with hitting is kind of like where I'm weaker in my teams. My team's mostly built around pitching. So I'm like, if it's a hitter and I can't, and I'm looking at his schedule for the next two weeks and it's just something I'm not really interested in or something I wouldn't start. Like I am like, pretty hesitant to add that like the skills better be really good and it better be something that can really pay off um long term uh or else uh yeah it's pretty it's pretty much just really starts with that that look of just like all right what um you know where, where are these skills and kind of like you said like matching them up with my team needs so like for example like i'm uh uh you know short on power i'm going to be filtering out like what i'm looking at so like all right short on power and I'm just going to be looking at like, you know, barrel and launch angle and things like that, just to sort of like see what, what skills I can match up to just squeeze out of extra home run or two for like a uh, streamer. But um, yeah, I mean, even like a good exit, let's just like another guy rest of season value. I think you talked about him too, that I liked this weekend as uh, Grisham was available in most places I was around. And um, I mean, uh, that's another kind of good example where he has the role um, skills. I mean, probably not a great, hit, never going to be a great hitter. I mean, I live here in San Diego. I watch most Padres games. Yeah. He's, he, he's, he, he, he's definitely uh, not, uh, you know, making going to hit 300 anytime soon, but uh, you know, the, the, he's, he's doubled his barrel rate. Um from last year, the out the output. I mean, we got a home run today, so you're already seeing a little bit of just like, okay, like the power. At least the power should come around, right? And the projections also like it too. That's a big part. Like if, if I'm if I'm check if he's checking all the boxes, uh, the on on what I'm looking at for a long term ad in terms of skills, and then I go look at the projections, and the projections are like, yeah, he's like you know, gonna be a seven dollar six dollar player the rest of the year. Like that's just like kind of a no brainer. Where like I'll um, definitely be looking at like a you know long-term ad in those senses um yeah what do you what do you do what's your like when when it comes to that rob what's your um yeah i i'm i'm looking up some projections um Mm. i i i try to aggregate you know um a couple and i throw it i throw it into i throw it into tanner's um aggregator tanner belt aggregator that he has um try to punch in 
everything into his SGP sheet too. And um, then I kind of just go to my free agent list in that league. And, you know, if there's anyone that immediately pops out as like, okay, this is the rest of the season type guy, then yeah. Then like I was like, like you mentioned, there's also got to be some kind of short time, like short term value in it as well. Like if it's, is this guy going to be a stash? Is he hurt? Is he in the minors or, you know, like what's going on with this guy? So I'll just dive into that player. Um, and especially if it's someone that, you know, um, I think a lot of times too, what happens when I'm, when there's free agents that, um, that are not streamers, but more like guys that, you know, like are in that 90 percentile that either someone dropped, like, like just got tired with like, like for me, it was like Benintendi. I dropped Benintendi, um, cause I was behind on power and he wasn't doing anything at the time. He's hitting better now, but, and I didn't, I fully didn't, um, it's not a surprise that he's getting better across the season, but I needed power. So anyway, but like on the flip side, it's just like, um, players that I wasn't in on in the previous, like in the beginning of the season. So maybe I don't have too much of a book on and like, okay, like why is this guy available now? Like, you know, what's going on with this player? Like, so um, I'll get into that, but yeah. um, And then it's just, for me, it's been mostly, I trust myself grinding out some at bats and volume and finding, you know, who's stepping up in playing time, which I think is like, you know, obviously a big thing now that gets talked about a lot and for good reason. And, you know, I'm really just most of my rest of season ads have been on like the expensive one had been the pitchers, obviously. And, but that's yeah. what I think I love about the batters though. Like finding that rest of season batter um, for like a great price is Really good, especially like when you could be in first on it and get it for a cheap price rather than the week that it's like evident that it's going to be him, you know, and you're like, oh, now he's going to go for more. Um, yeah. Ibanez was one of those guys earlier in the season for me, too. I was really always um, every time I was doing the box score stuff, I'm like, this guy just barreled up another ball. This guy just barreled up another ball. And every day it's like, and then I was like, Oh, he started six straight, started eight straight, started 13 straight, started 16 straight. This guy's like, and then you look at his number. He's like, man, he's just like getting not like, I don't really look at expected stats, but just like this, just looking at most of the metrics that show like a hitter, should be doing better than he is and it's like wow this guy's and then you know he lost in pt and now he's back in it and it's like um it's it's fun i i those things for me are the best part about playing fantasy is we we could be either so wrong or so right on it but when we are i'm not gonna say right i mean it's just he's he is just andy abanez right now but um it's a good feeling when when some of the things that you're you're uh thinking can happen happen i mean it's obviously why we play to you know try to be right more than we're wrong and it's just uh i like it you know those are the those are things that i really try to get to and i also yeah, try to look so at much- like yeah. i also just try to look at like they're honestly i try to look at someone's adp during the season um i try to look at their adp last season too i just try to get like a whole picture of a guy like mm-hmm. um it's like you know yeah, remembering what we thought of somebody so yeah. big it's yeah. so big you know and like yeah. and and even for the players that we loved you know i just talked about this last night with dom is like like brandon fought like um had him on dc teams you know had him on an auction team but um 
I mean, and I thought it was a good play for anyone who wanted to stash him. You know, I I said that much in my fab stuff. Like, he's a good stash if you if you think he can overcome what was wrong before. Because like the minor league really wasn't fixing it. And I'm not saying that in hindsight because he got blown up today, but it I wasn't yeah. interested just because like to me something real different had to happen. And in AAA when he went back down, it just didn't happen i just think that people get excited because like that's obviously a big hit right if he comes back and you stashed it and he's what we kind of expected but in reality to me i i try to just not lean on that prior bias and prior evaluation i had that he was you know same thing with julian i have julian on every single dc i have 13 dcs and on every single one every single one and like that's because he was available at you know, fucking 46 rounds. And I was like, boom, 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 every time, you know? And then obviously like there's guys who are like in, in your leagues multiple times and like, Oh, why is it? Why, why is Vaughn picking Julian? Like in the next couple like drafts, like uh, like, they'll take it. Like I like, like, I'm like, you're not going to do that to me. And I, and like, I would, and then, so I would like outpacing myself every, cause like I was just trying to track that. Like, all right, this guy, these three guys were in my last two drafts. So just in case they're looking, you know, like at who I'm drafting, you know, I'm just going to, I thought I kept jumping up the bid every, every draft I was going up one more round, one more round for him. Yeah. 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 And and then, so the, but, but when he came out in fab, you know, I had to just, just like remind myself, like there's a reason why I did pick him on all teams, but it wasn't because, I thought he was going to be, you know, um, Bo Bichette yeah. and like right off the bat, it was just because like at that spot, he was just stood out to me, like really. Yeah. And that the, the twins are the twins, you know, Baldelli's Baldelli. And I just had to keep all that. Yeah, and like, okay, yeah, like yeah, I have yeah. to keep my bids reasonable. He can go back down, which he ended up doing. Even when he came back up, I'm like, I'm still going to be reasonable here. Rob. <laughs> like, you know, I like, don't, <laughs> but like I do, I love his skill set, but I never went to the price where, um, it took to get him, you know, because I, um, as much as I love the skill set, it's just uh, the twins have so much going on. They got so much in the depth chart, you know. So, mm-hmm. it's, um, yeah, and like back to what you said about, like, yeah, like fought too. It's like we we all liked him, like probably like I don't before the season, a lot of people, and then it's sort of like if if your opinion, like if I'm going back and I'm looking at what I thought about so many before the season and what I think about him now, like. My, my opinion should change if something has changed, right? Like if something has changed, then like my opinion should change with it. And like, like it maybe it's not just happening. Like with somebody like, um, like, like fought, like what's changed. Well, like we've seen him pitch and his fastball sucks. You know, like that's like what, that's like what, that's what's changed, right? Like before we didn't know that now we've like seen him pitch. And, and like, even though I did yeah. like him before, you know, and, I feel like yeah. for like I, I've seen evidence now, and I have new information that is convinces me I shouldn't like him versus somebody like, um, you know, like like MJ Melendez is like my most owned catcher, and like I, looking back what I wrote before the season, it's just like looking like well, what has changed there? Like, well, I mean, maybe I shouldn't have trusted that he'd he'd hit twenty five home runs in Kaufman, 
but nothing really has changed. Like my, my, my opinions on him, even though he's struggling, his playing time is, is maybe drying up a little bit. If he's like, no, you know, I don't know. I, mean, I figure maybe yeah. he's just going to start getting platoon versus lefties and like, no, and, and, started, and, and started... all these, all these guys. So uh, I just, I worry about that a little bit. That's my only concern of him. Is yeah. that, like, if they get all their guys healthy and they're just going to be like, eh. but, but he's, he hasn't changed. Right. He, he's a guy yeah. that hasn't changed. And it's yeah. like, you look at that, like nothing's changed with him. So I'm going to like still, I don't know, ride it out. I mean, at this point, you, it's all you can do if you, you own a bunch of Melendez is just ride it out. <laughs> oh, I got a bunch of Melendez. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, yeah me too. Uh, but you know yeah. what? Um, uh, I'm I'm fine with riding it out with him. I'm not gonna. Um, it's it's still it's still enough there that I like, and I, I'm not gonna change my opinion off of uh, first half of the season so far with him. But yeah. Um, yeah. So. so let's talk about some guys that maybe have. Uh, that have done a little better than you expected or some guys that have really like maybe brought your teams down a little bit. You got any guys in mind that you want to, that you want to uh, talk about? Yeah. The, the first two that I guess come to mind that I, I picked up early that have been, I guess, uh, overperforming for and really helping my teams would be uh, uh, Garrett, uh, Braxton Garrett and, uh, so, and uh, your boy, Jack Sawinski to hey, Jack. Uh, Big Jack, man. Yeah. Uh, and I, and it's funny too, cause I, I picked them up probably like a week apart from each other and uh, I really loved. And I, I remember just thinking like, like I overbid, like I won my bids on them by like, you know, uh, I think I picked them up at like in total, like eight fab leagues. And I think I picked each of them up in six of six of eight fab leagues I was in or in and, and, uh, and like, sometimes I, I won, you know, like by, by like, you know, double the amount of what the bid was but then i look back now i'm just like eh. kind of like sometimes you're just so mad at yourself in the moment and it's just like now it's like well they were worth it so <laughs> don't be too mm-hmm. too upset at myself i guess but uh yeah i mean jack is just like um i remember too that the, the weekend it was it was bidding the same and i really needed some outfield help in a lot of places i think like you and in, in a lot of leagues i i see you know just look at some you did some of your team builds and just sort of like doing outfield late trying to like stream outfield or fill it in season is, is something I I'd like to do. And uh, it was the same weekend where kind of like Jaron Duran was going off and uh, Sinzel was, was, was playing well and, and Swinski was too. And I think they kind of all got picked up, went up close to a hundred percent ownership in that same weekend. Um, and I just remember thinking like for, to spend in like a really long time looking at all three of them and just like trying to get like, like out of my head of just like, like, well, you know, like, like the, you know, just prospect rankings just be like, Oh, but Duran used to be like this number prospect. And, you know, Sinzel is just, you know, you know, the pedigree, right. The, the your favorite word, right. Pedigree. Uh, <laughs> like the pe- trying to forget about the fucking the pedigree and just looking at like the skills for a bit. And, uh, being like, well, if I'm just looking at the skills here, like, I, like, like, Swinski is like the best player. Like, I mean, he's the best out of this bunch, and it just feels weird. And immediately after, so I, I picked him up like a lot of places, and uh, then immediately that week, like Duran and Sinzel are just like great for the next two weeks. And uh, Swinski had a good week, and then he was like just a zero for like three weeks, and just like kicking myself, just like being like, ah, oh, I fucked it up. You know, like, what were you doing? What were you doing? And just so the funny how this game like kind of works, right? Because now. Senzel and Duran are part-time players getting dropped everywhere. And Sawinski's what, like almost a top thing where you're looking. I think he's probably close to a top 100 player at this point. Uh, and yeah, he's just been fantastic. Just 
barreling up the ball every every other at bat it seems I mean, he's just fantastic stealing bases i remember too the the sunday he went he st- i thought there was going to be a big sunday tax on him and i really thought about the price because he went the, the weekend he was really getting picked up he got he got two steals on the that sunday too that day i'm like oh shit he just got two steals he's price is gonna go up and it didn't at all and it's just sort of that thing where like the pedigree was missing with him that was like the component right out of those mm-hmm. three guys that were going that weekend he was the one who didn't have the pedigree and i think he you know they all kind of went for around the i'd have to go back and look around the same price but i think it was clearly to me at the time as far as like again like what role he had and just i mean just how the one i could rely on most comfortably to hit the ball hard the rest of the season and uh, also still bases and he's just been he's just been fantastic i mean you got you got a lot of him too right now i'm guessing yeah yeah i not not a not a lot not not enough not enough jack i actually think i dropped him yeah. one league which is like really um i'm pretty mad at like right in the beginning of the season where yeah you know it was just just such just stupid moves because like immediately right off the bat or like it was such in a rat race to like the week to week maximize like maximization thing and it's like this, oh, this guy's not playing for stuff he doesn't have a place on my team and stupid like just didn't give it time to breathe you know and um just there's there's just things like that where you do it and um you just end up thinking like man i should have played that a little a little differently and that's like one thing that's you know pretty pretty uh continuous in my diary is uh just be <laughs> just be be a little patient you know be a little more patient yeah. um yeah <sighs> or yeah. at least well, you know it's different now because like there's even with there's so many platoons going on but there's there's guys who are like i i find him to be a guy where um I like his two out of three better than some three out of threes. And I know like process wise, that's not right. And um, most of the time, you know, that three out of three guy will outproduce, but th- it depends what that, like who that other guy is. And like on all my DC teams, when I have that decision to start him um, and I'm just like, Nope, yep. keeping him in, <laughs> you know? And like, yeah, uh, I mean, especially, I think that works too, that the guy who's like, going to be hitting a lot of home runs and stealing bases because you don't quite need as many, you know, there's not quite a big of a tie to the, you know, the plate appearance uh, correlation there. I mean, like, right. You just need, if he just needs to hit you a homer or steal your base, like obviously he has a better chance of doing it in three games and two, but like, it's just one swing, right. Or he just needs to steal a bag. And he, that type of guy can, I think have that type of impact in those two games uh, as opposed to the three, like a lot more than just some, you know, like Heimer Candelario, like volume play, right? You know, like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, um, for sure. Yeah, and he's, and, and, you know, he he's been really good. Like you said, uh, he just hit the ball super hard all the time, and um, I just also find that he's like the swing strike rate to me. Uh, I was like at at eleven percent, kind of doesn't really line up with that. You know, that big yeah. K rate that he has, you know, like 32%, you know, I think that's like the rule of thumb is like double. So like you, you picture him in at 22%, 20, even like 24% strikeout range. And um, so I don't know if he's like, I don't know if he's got like the three, two count thing going where he's just like getting to three, two count and he's like, more of them are going for strikeout than, than, but uh, you know, he, he doesn't chase. He, he's patient in the zone. Oh yeah. No, he's, he's cut, really, he's cut the chip. 
Yeah, he's yeah. got to change rate by what, like almost in half this year. I think that was a big thing for me too when I'm looking at, you know, has a guy changed? And sometimes that can just not be very sticky. But, I mean, if you're seeing a, a, a young hitter who's in his second year is, you know, trimmed his, his chase rate by 10%, I mean, even if that guy's, like you said, the strikeout rate isn't matching it as much, I mean, he's making a lot, swinging at a lot less crap. You're going to be making a lot better contact. It's probably why, you know, barrel rate goes up. It's a lot of the, the, you know, it's just max EV, average EV, everything else. The quality of contact, too, just, like, going way up with, like, yep. cutting cut and chase rate like that's just kind of like boom i'm gonna be all over that 100 percent. pulled the ball hit the ball and hit the ball in the air fucking crazy at 62 percent fly ball rate that's wild. yeah yeah 40 25 degree launch angle that's pretty steep yeah <laughs> no it really is it really is yeah. he he, he, he has an approach yeah. yeah right right with speed got a joey gallo with speed which is actually pretty yeah. good you know it's yeah i think when i was what i was when i was trying to comp him like i was like this seems like this year's like Seth Brown, but like better, I think was like what I was looking when mm, I was like, cause yeah. I, I remember picking up him a lot of places last year when he was just kind of sporadically getting dropped. And I'm just like, this is like, all right, a little bit of speed lefty. Little, Brown's not really playing against lefties this year, but he was last year. Like lefties sucks against lefties, but he gets the starts and yeah, it just kind of matched up like just as far as like production wise. So yeah, he's been great. He's been just fantastic. He's a, a rock and like, you know, all my all my all my lineups right now um uh i can mention the other one uh, i think braxton garrett's probably had a bigger impact overall just i mean from the state of pitching this year and he's somebody i uh really like last year too when he came up picked him up everywhere and uh even in the preseason you know i mean just like i really wish this guy just had a rotation spot i love him he's just i think a pretty pretty like good poster boy for like somebody you know stuff plus and everything else is not going to capture um although i really haven't looked at his stuff plus lately maybe with him throwing the cutter like it, it is good but even last year i know he was just like somebody that you know you know the the, the big stuff believers are, are looking at and, and thinking that it's not going to hold up but he's uh um especially when he uh I, uh there's just a lot of i don't know I, I watch him pitch there's a lot of just it's, it's a really good delivery. There's some deception there. I think just like some of the things that don't get picked up of whatever yeah. we're looking at. Yeah. It's just like, it just has this, this, uh, you know, the ability to, to mimic, you know, release points and what the, what the batter is looking at and, and things like that. I think he's just, he just seems like he's, and now, and now since, since uh, over the past, what, two months now, he's just been pr- pretty much pitching like a, an all-star, right? If not like Cy Young contender, to be honest. I mean, he's been just fantastic. Uh, so that's a big, big, big boost in, in especially where leagues where uh, had some injuries to pitching, really needed it. He's just uh, kind of lock and load every single week, especially since that. And I, I, I <laughs> proud of myself too for just like using, like I, I didn't start him anywhere in that Atlanta start where he gave up, you know, 11 runs. Mm-hmm. And then kind of didn't, didn't, but then didn't drop them. <laughs> so that's just like this. If I had to be proud of like anything in particular this year, it's just been the way I've kind of handled him and, and just like, all right, like played the matchups well early on, didn't drop him when he got blown up and uh, stuck it out and had faith and just like, you know, again, not making kind of just short, short term reaction, right? Like just like, reactionary decision to like cut the guy after he just got absolutely torched. Like I, I've yep. 
you know, owned him. I've watched him pitch a lot. I know who this guy is. And then, you know, he just starts throwing pitch mix change comes. And I, the second I kind of saw that too, I, I already owed, owned him like in a lot of places, obviously he's not available, but the second I kind of saw the next start, like, Oh, he's tweaking things a little bit. And like, you know, another just kind of like, uh, just, just signal, like kind of something to look for, right. Changes like this guy's, this guy's changed. He's doing something different. The production's like looking great. You look at everything, just like anything you look at with him, like it's just matching up, you know, as like he's, he's, he's become so far just like a fantastic, uh, yeah. You're going to probably roll out in all formats. Um, yeah. Garrett in June is insane. Insane what he's been doing in June. He's got a 36.2 to 2.9% K to walk rate. Like, that is insane. That's 33.3 K minus walk. Like the first pitch strike, 72%. Uh, swing strike, 13%. Everything is way above league average. It's pretty wild to see. It's not throwing balls. It's um it's pretty it's pretty crazy. He's getting guys to chase. I mean, it's just really no, yeah. really really there. yep, everything is there. It's like, except, except the stuff plus. The stuff plus is still down. Uh, but <laughs> right, yeah, but but yeah, I mean you look at everything he's doing, it's just he's just he's just an animal right now. Uh but uh and even getting some wins too. He's able to I mean you can just eke out like a couple a couple like a couple wins here and there. Uh I mean obviously not more, you'd like more, but the you know, Marlins I don't know if they're as good as they are playing, but at least they're not, you know, Oakland Oakland uh Kansas City terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's been yeah. But you still look, it's funny too, because the projections still aren't catching up to him a lot. I mean, you just look kind of, I think there's been a couple of comments on it in the Discord too. Like people, like, is, like Rasball says he's pitcher like 300 this week. Like, is that, is that real? It's like, you know, like, like uh, yeah, I noticed that too, even back to last year, like just like every single week the projections come out and it's just like this shitty weekly projection for him that you just don't like understand. And you just kind of have to look past that and just have faith that like, no, it's, it's he's, he's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just, yeah. He's, he's great. Definitely. Um, so you actually wrote something here about some of the underperformers, and it was more connected to like the Melendez bias thing. And I thought you wrote, yeah, there's a time to fade Casey Detroit hitters earlier in drafts. And it was uh, like, it's, is it just because these guys and like everybody on their teams and it's like because uh, of the I stadiums? Mean, well, maybe Baez probably just sucks, right? At this point, I think like he's maybe a special case when you use that. But when you just look at, I, I just look at like the, you know, I'm kind of big like with like, like uh, Toby and some other people got me into just looking at like home run and you like home run per barrel rate and you just look and oh, like Melendi, he's got this terrible and a lot of other Tigers and, and Royals just have these terrible home run for barrel rates and you're just like well i don't know if i fully they might rebound somewhat but there's just something here maybe that these guys are always gonna just some of these guys maybe not all of them and i shouldn't say all of them i'm not looking at everything right now but like just the parks like when you combine just like a park that is really just suppressing power like that with uh, just bad lineups i just wonder if it's just like don't spend any early draft capital on those types of guys. Or, or if you do, don't. And I was like, even because I was just reaching for Melendez maybe by like a round or, or so sometimes too, just because I liked them so much. It just seemed like such a lock with the playing time and potentially get, getting you just like that huge um, at bat edge from catcher, but really not just thinking like, I mean, not thinking too much just about just how 
how bad is this offense? How bad is this home park? How bad is it going to be suppressing uh, all the balls he's barreling up? Because like, it's just every single day you look and it's just like, you know, Melendez, you know, 104 mile an hour, 389 foot out, you know, to, to like, to, to like right center. And you're like, Jesus, with like a, you know, a, a 700 expected XB expected batting average. And you're just, it just happens again and again. And I, some of his luck and he's definitely going to rebound some and several, probably a lot of the other, you know, struggling hitters on, on those teams. But I just don't know, maybe if, uh, and I'm assuming the obviously park factors and things are, are baked in the lineups are all baked into the projections and stuff, but maybe it's, Maybe there's something there where it's not quite uh, capturing everything that's going on, or it does. I mean, just even from watching, like, I mean, I'm here in San Diego and I see a lot of left-handed hitters, like watching all the Padres games. It's like, just, I think it does something to you maybe mentally too. Like I've seen Grisham, you know, repeatedly over the years, just like barrel, the barrel, like just crush a ball thinks it's gone and then it dies four feet in front of the warning track and they cut back to like the picture of his face. And he's just like, what, what can I do? Like, what else can, you can just see the clearly just like frustrated, just like yeah. hitting in this home park over and over again of just being like, I'm playing in this place. It doesn't matter. Eventually maybe it gets to some point with some of these guys are just like, it doesn't matter what I do or, or gets them to try to do something different too. I don't know. And it's just kind of a thought I had of just like when there's all these other, options available when you're at a part in the draft at least early on let's say like top 200 picks or something and you have a lot of options available and i'm going to take somebody again in one of these parks in one of these lineups that i think the you know like the the way that can swing and that it can go really bad i think as you're just seeing with some of these guys like again like melendez being but like it can go it can go pretty south like if if the you're not getting the the counting stats and they're and they start to get even unluckier than they are like with, you know, home run the fly ball rates and stuff like that. It can get really, really, really yeah. ugly. And you're left with like a, you know, you know, player who's barely a, a top like 300 hitter for half a season. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I, yeah. I like that thought. Yeah. I, 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 I definitely could have pumped the brakes on Melendez, I guess a little bit because of that reason, but that's, uh, and it's funny because like in, in, in draft champions, um, it really only have uh, like a Melendez heavy tilt up top. I have a lot of Nick Prado late. He was always, ah, he nice. was always, um, yeah. he was always available to be a, um, a corner, you know, bat mm-hmm. like late. Um, and it was like, he was one of the last non prospects that were going, you know, that you could have scooped up for your team um yeah. it's like it's like you know it was like oh uh one draft's like oh here's g-man Choi. also like, he could be my third or fourth first baseman and then sometimes it was like nick prado I was like okay like let's go mm-hmm. but um i regret yeah that- and that's where probably some of the the value is with some of these guys on these teams right these late picks and prado is a total like i mean i was in some dcs where he's going yeah like post you know, deep into like the forties, you know, sometimes, right. Yeah. Like just totally just like, Oh, that guy sucks. Like, you know, this like, we've, you know, totally like, uh, uh, the, the classic, just like, Oh, we've seen him once and given up on him. You know, he's nothing. Um, but yeah, no, he's been, he's been one of my DC saviors. Uh, cause he's just, uh, you know, leading off playing every day. It's like Whoa. every game, even against lefties, he's leading off sometimes. Right. Did I see yeah. that? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's been a very big surprise. He's uh, one of, like I said, he's one of the guys that kind of saving me um, depth-wise, uh, just all around. First base outfield is huge. You get, uh, get, you know, get uh, both both shots there. But um, so uh, I I wanted to ask you one one final question for the pod, and um, so I was like, what? Where do you feel like you've gotten better the most at um, since you've gotten involved, like in the NFPC? Um, I know you know you've you brought up the process a lot, and that definitely helped me, yeah. like get so much better in several different areas of the game. But where do you feel like you made the your biggest gains as a player? Um, I think a couple things. Like honestly, this is a um. <laughs> before I like just like specifics about like uh uh like where I've gotten better I think just kind of over the past few years accepting it as like fantasy baseball as being something that like I really want to be good at and that it's something that's worth putting my time and energy into and being around people or that are, are like supportive of that is like honestly like a big a big one for me it just like it kind of just looked at it like you know i don't know like you can and i'm like you know sometimes i you know like like being (laughs) like my my girl says my girlfriend is like like you know super supportive of it i think it's so cool to have like we started dating kind of like around the same time like uh you know i i was reading jeff and tanner's book and, and and trying to get better at this and i remember like uh just being on like my, my first date with her and being like, and normally like, I'm not like telling any girls I'm trying to pick up that like, I love <laughs> my fantasy baseball, right? Like it's not, my, it's not exactly like the first thing on my mouth. Um, but I said like, fuck it. Like I like doing this and this is a, a passion of mine. And like, I just like, you know, we we're talking and like one of the first things I like told her at, at the dinner was like how much I love this and what it is. And, what it, it is and she's like you know that's fucking awesome that's great and she's like super supportive of it and like i don't understand what the fuck it is and um <laughs> i'm gonna like learn <laughs> you know i remember like in uh and, and she's just like really i think there's something to just in and you know like starting to i you know i'm kind of just like a shy more shy and anxious person by by nature anyway i try to get like too too vulnerable here or anything but like just being able to like be like okay like this is something i like to do and i'm not gonna be like uh you know i'm gonna like talk about it more even with my my friends and with my my girlfriend like let them know that like yeah like oh do you want to go hey we're doing this on you know sunday uh can you come over you know it's like well yeah after i finish like you know doing my my fab right yeah yeah right like it's just like most people like well what does that mean what are you talking about and like if anybody's gonna like give me a hard time about it or be like, that's a waste of time. Like what the fuck are you doing? Spending that much time, you know, <laughs> going through free agents. I'm going to be like, well, you know, you know, fuck you. I'm not <laughs> uh, and just sort of like surrounding myself with, yeah. Like people that are like supportive of, which it comes from your community too. It's great to have a place where I can, cause I have just, I really don't, you know, I've been playing through NFPC and everything else, mostly like by myself. I had my one, my, my, my best friend back from my home league that I sold like, talk to a lot about about baseball and um but other than that you know i've played this like a lot like just by myself you know like for for about like 10 years and um just getting over that hump of like this is not a stupid hobby this, this is like something that i actually 
want to take pride in and want to get really good at and I want to like compete against the best people who do it and learn from them and there's nothing silly about that and there's nothing stupid about it and um, yeah yeah it's like just like it's just something I love doing and being not being like you know I guess yeah. we're, we're like 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 ashamed of that or whatever right I, I fucking love this no, stuff you, 100%. and once yeah. I kind of got past that and like I remember it's like talking to my girlfriend like she's like well you want to like you know, I'm trying to like like a lot of people trying to do a lot of things in life and she's just like no like go spend time on it like don't feel like you can't like spend six hours on it you know like go fucking do it if you have the time you want to go do it like you love doing it and that's been the biggest i think difference maker for me to get to get better at i think do feel like i have gotten better personally over the past three years like especially if you like you know just look at like uh yeah just the results are, are there too for me and uh it's mostly, yeah, just like having somebody, some people supporting, you know, me not, you know, doing it. And then when I get time to do it, yeah, it's just, it gives you that confidence, right? So it's given me a lot of confidence to, uh, to, to try different things, to, to put more energy into it. And um, if I had to pick like one thing that like are a couple of things that I've gotten better at over the years, um, it's definitely kind of what I talked about before, just like importance of short-term value and <laughs> like stashing and just like just being able to cut and and i'm probably too aggressive if i had to think anything i I might be like too aggressive with my cuts but um that's that's okay i had some really 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 bad cuts in a couple of leagues this year but that's uh that's all right trying to just use those as like learning learning moments um but that's sort of like the one thing is just being really uh lot and it, it comes from again just being like locked into like sh- maximizing short-term value uh that's just like something that's just really been driven home watching being in leagues with phil and jeff and other people just seeing like them have success with it and just like it, it, it works and um mm-hmm. uh i also say i think really um taking it as like a week and, and just kind of linked to the short-term value but just like this is a week-to-week game Right. And not um, just trying to win. Every, like, I, I think like I have my my goals that I'm trying to hit every single week, um, adjusting those goals based on how I did last week and just taking it week by week. Whereas before it's like, you know, at this point in the season, maybe like years ago, I'd be like, oh, I still have half the season left. And it's just like now I'm like, oh, shit, I only have half the season left. So thinking about it, it's like you have you know, there's 13, I think, right, 13, we have 13 weeks left. And uh, so you have 13 different, I only have 13 different chances or, you know, to add more players. That's it. You know, I only have 13 or I guess 26, you know, twice a week, we get to change our lineups for for hitters. So I have, there's only 26 more times where I get to adjust my lineup to try to get the stats that I want to get. And to me, that doesn't sound like a lot. You know, it's not. A lot. <laughs> it's not. It's not. And it's just not a lot. And just sort of really realizing that, like, I mean, by by week three or four in the season, like, if I'm I'm really trying to lock in and seeing where my strengths and weaknesses are, and 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 not like overreacting, but if I and, and making kind of rash decisions off of it, but just really trying to pick up on like you're hurting and you have like you're already hurting and saves your team isn't strong and saves like start attacking like really putting more time and resources into helping that out now don't wait until you know don't wait until uh later in the season and um yeah i think the that and just sort of building teams built around starting pitching and just kind of like just been obsessed with like 
streaming starting pitching off my bench over the past three years. And that's like, like, you know, comes from like, you know, what I think it's success like Phil had and that like Tanner and Jeff wrote about. And I remember just reading that and seeing the results of like, you know, the difference in quality of starting pitching streamed versus coming off the bet, your, you know, drafted players late in the season. And it's just like the, it's such a, it's just a massive difference. And the second I saw that, I think I remember just being like, I'm, I want to avoid starting streaming pitching. Like, <laughs> yeah. I know I want to, and I, ha- I, I, I really, like, it is the number one thing I want to avoid in every single league. I mean, just do not put your, do not try to put myself in a position where I have to look for a weekly streaming pitcher at all. And um, that's the one, one, one big thing I try to avoid. And it's really, I think as long as I can do that, I'm going to have good, I mean, my, my four pitching category, four starting pitching categories are going to be really good. Um, and that's enough to just sort of let a team hang around. Right. And then you just like, you know, streaming, hitting a lot easier to do. Um, and those are sort of just like the, the things that have changed for me that I've gotten, I think a lot better at kind of giving my teams just like that kind of identity too. like, that's just, this is how I'm going to build it. Right. You know, really strong starting pitching, attacking, uh, you know, certain offensive categories and uh, streaming, streaming the rest with hitting with real lock looking at short-term value all the time. Yeah. But, cool. Yeah. No, I, re- I really think you, I really think you hit the, you really hit on a, on a, on a great topic. And that's why I love talking and just, it doesn't even have to be about, you know, stats of players, but like the support, you know, that you can get from, playing you know and we do spend a lot of time with it because it's like for some people it's um you know who who can keep a good roi it's a you know nice extra income like i said it's like this competition thing is historical standings we have these these overall you know standings and prizes that we're you know we can always remember we can always recite and talk about and know like who did what and um but to have like i feel the same way about my wife like she's like um sometimes it's like not what you're passionate about but just if you are passionate if you are if you have passion if you have drive totally. like yeah you know and it's like you're not a bag of shit because you like to play fantasy baseball um and put time into it because like you could want to you know do bad things <laughs> and like be passionate about you know being you know a bag of shit but uh so i, I just kind of like you know it's the same way i don't have to look over my shoulder um just i know where i stand with it and um you know having that is is just uh pretty cool you know it's, uh, yeah huge, it's a, it's a total total game changer total yep. like game changer for me anyway just um yeah like we all we all should be able to put as much time as we need or, or want into the the things we like love in life right and it's just it's a it's a weird silly strange game we play sometimes but um I, I love it. We all love it. And there's yep. reasons why we love it. You know, it's, it's, there's like, you just mentioned all the reasons above too. Um, and uh, my love for it only gets stronger every year. It's not going away anytime soon. <laughs> Sweet. Hey, so, man. You know? Awesome. It's, it's been a great chat, man. Thanks for coming yeah. on and, um, yeah, and giving us some insight. It's been, it's been a ton of fun and um, we'll definitely talk again soon. And uh, obviously, and we'll see each other next year in, in Vegas. Yeah. And, uh, 
yeah, hopefully, dude. hopefully we can stay out of each other's leagues. Um, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you never know with that, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, some, no, you never know. No control. Some days you get the good ones. Some days you get some bad draws. But, uh, <laughs> but it's really cool. But I appreciate your time, um, Brian, and uh, good luck the rest of the season. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Rob. Take it easy, man.